Shall we begin? Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure? It's time. It's time. Did you just say it's time? Stay calm. Help. I need somebody. Help. Don't ask me a question. If you don't want to hear what my answer is, I'm going to answer it. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Ladies and gentlemen, another month has gone by, so it is once again time for Shock Therapy on Vent Lab. This is Nathan. Rebecca's here too. Yeah, sorry sorry we weren't here on Tuesday. You know, things happened. Something came up and something else got planned over Shock Therapy, so. Out of our control. Completely and totally. (laughs) That's basically what happened. (laughs) America took the front seat and uh, kind of ruined it it for us. So, Um, and that being said, we will at some point eventually in this podcast talk about what happened on Tuesday, November the third. Third, yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about it right now. Hey, not right now. And and in a very, very, very limited capacity. Yeah, we're talking. 10 minutes at the most, like limited, (laughs) because quite frankly, we don't want to talk about it either. You know what I want to talk about real quick? Nathan, that music bed to shock therapy that you put your hands and feet to, unbelievable. Can we just give it up for the It was weird when he used his feet. Like, I was okay when he put his hands to it, but when he started using his feet, it went too far. That's why it's so creative. He used an NF, a Michael Scott, and then some other cool things and it is it's fantastic rebecca tell me when was the last time you saw somebody <laughs> do imaging with their feet imaging uh let's word. see was it last week when you did that Oop. all right yeah you know what i'm the only person i believe in america that is doing radio imaging with their this feet this is true i wish you would give me as much appreciation as your husband does <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what we got here is the shock therapy shenanigans <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Uh, a good amount of questions. <laughs> I do that ones. frequently. I don't know what's wrong. There's something wrong with my brain. I, I go into overdrive or something. No, it's Jaywas's energy. Like he comes in so hot that it's like overwhelming. And then you're like, I don't know if I should like just relent and let his energy take over or else should I just try to keep up with it? And then it just comes out this whole big mess. We should just not allow Jay West to drink coffee before shock therapy. No. I think it calms me down. You what know, are you talking okay, about? You know how we've talked about how this, this is you calm. This is me calm. He is an extrovert, which means no. he gets energy from being More, around people. Maybe. Like an extravert. Am I right? Okay. Seriously. <laughs> Amen, brother. I got him. So on Sunday, if I stay home and I watch church from home and he's out with people, when he comes back home, he has so much energy. Yeah. Like, I want to hide because he just comes in just blazing. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> you have a lot of energy. Well, okay, I get that. Okay, anyway. So what What do we got? But you know what, Jay? What are talking about? We appreciate that because that do makes you, you uniquely I'm done. Take out you. my headphones. Take your own headphones. <laughs> Wait, did I ask you to take the headphones off? Servants, come here. Take my headphones off of me. I'm done. 
I'm leaving. Oh my goodness. I didn't even think I, I didn't even realize I said that. That's funny. Yeah, take my headphones off. <laughs> uh, yeah. So where do you guys want to start? We've got a few questions. We got some, man, we got some great questions. In fact, this first one, Hey, Vent Lab, I enjoy your stuff most of the time. <laughs> this Ooh. person's got a good sense of humor. Uh, hold like on. That. Can we stop and address that right um, there? Yeah. That, that's... <laughs> I think that's hysterical. Um, most of the time. Well, yeah. Listen, all right. Guy. This, is a, this is a home or girl. <laughs> yeah, we don't actually know. Yeah. Totally anonymous. 816-787-1511. Could be you. Mm, and that, that was not the number that texted in. That was the number that you could yeah. Correct. text in. <laughs> yes. You got to text into that number. I love that. It's a home life question. My wife and I see chores and tasks at home differently. I grew up with a mom who always did the laundry and cooked dinner. What advice can you give me to not expect the same of my wife who feels it's shared a shared role and expectation. Ooh. <laughs> home life question. Thank you, listener. I Sorry, go ahead. Can I just say that this is like one of those things that I also grew up with, with like the girls do the housework, they cook, okay. they clean and everything, and then the guys like go to work and they come home. Oh. But it was it was never like a like a bad thing. It wasn't right. ever seen of like like my dad would come home and sit on his recliner and be like, "Why isn't the <laughs> laundry done?" Wife you know, like he would help out wherever. Just my mom was just one of those people that would always, you know, do it. That mm. and they had six kids, so you know, housework gets done a lot whenever you have a bunch of little minions <laughs> to command around, which is actually smart in retrospect. Um, if your husband is one of those people that wants you to do all the housework, then just have a bunch of kids, and then you don't have to do the housework. Just have your kids do the housework. Regardless, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Other than that, you're building a framework. That's what you're doing. Right. It's the framework. Yeah. Uh -huh. I could give a major for... rebuttal there, but I'm, I want to hear John Wesley's answer. Oh, well, I think it's very unique that Nathan brought up. Cause I'm thinking like you have this scenario on the one hand and then on the other hand, you have another scenario and you have like, some would say, well, that's like totally old school OT. And then you have like the new school, new T. So that would be this. <laughs> Rebecca's looking at me like, what's OT? And <laughs> no, I know what it is. I'm looking at Nathan like, I can't believe that he's trying to yeah, I know. make old school. and <laughs> I, I don't know. What old the Testament, New Testament. Oh there we go. Oh my gosh, is um, that the reference? Just to see the look on your face as I did that. But no, I think. I'm not Christian enough to understand wow. that reference. And that's, okay, right there. That right there is a huge Can I be excused? Piece. To this question because I think it needs to come from the home between husband and wife that sets those boundaries because it's not like it used to be this way for me well okay that doesn't necessarily apply to your family situation right now I think from my perspective the shared role experience brings more I, I would say for us whenever Rebecca's like yeah I already did the laundry I'm like me too I got the towels done like there's a sense of like cool we've accomplished this together it's not like that's your job mm -hmm. that's really convoluted and I think that gets really messy and we forget the balance in the home of the courtesies as well as just the shared responsibilities and home function home life and I think man just life in general is radically shifted in ways that to put it on one spouse like no that's your job it's always been that way for me in my upbringing is really unrealistic it can be really unhealthy and so I think some of that you know when we talk about you know couples who want to get married and they're in you know that early stage of their and you know being engaged, like premarital counseling was something as a minister I'd always encourage because it helps bring some of those expectations to light and also shed light on areas that may not be so healthy coming into a marriage. And I think that's just really important from the get-go uh, to have that, have that talk. 
Um, I agree that it is really healthy to have that talk. Not that I needed to say that I agree that it's healthy that you have that talk, but I think that's um, a huge thing when you're getting married is to have that discussion before you even get married. When you and I, Jay West, got married um, back in the day, we both had had different backgrounds because your mom had... She worked, but yeah. she was she did all the cooking, all the cleaning. She still does that, and she enjoys doing. Like that's that. a part of her, like yeah, love language. She thrives on that. She so thrives. That's more a good power way to, say to her. Um, <laughs> I grew up with a mom who did not love doing that, and she enjoyed working outside of the home and not doing laundry and cooking, unless she absolutely had to do it. She that actually took Nathan's role of training your kids to do it. And did that with us. She had four daughters. And yeah. so we did a lot of the the cooking and cleaning. Um, when we got married early on, I wanted to, I don't know, make, make my husband happy by filling the role that his mom had always filled. And so, like, I forced myself to do a lot of stuff and take on that role and didn't even, like, really have that discussion mm-hmm. with him. I just took on that role and assumed that was my responsibility and as time went on, um, realized, you know what, this is something that I really hate. And I hate that this is my identity. <laughs> like uh, there's, there's gifts and talents that right. I have that yeah. I'm not offering. And so when I decided mm-hmm. to go back to school and start a career, it was like, no question. He stepped up and, and did that stuff without even saying like, no, I'm not going to clean the house today, even though you've been gone for 12 hours. 16 hours today. <laughs> I mean, he just, he That's, just picked it up yeah. and did it. And like to this day, like he probably, he makes dinner way more than I do. I think it was we also the fact roles. I like to, uh, I like to make vacuum lines, you know, I mean, who's listening, who's with me, right? You gotta <laughs> make, you gotta make the fairway line. See, I'm a golfer. So I'm looking for the carpet lines that make it look pretty, make it look good like a golf green. So if anything, yeah, that definitely comes from my mom that instilled that like, Hey, I could really use your help. It wasn't like she forced me or mandated. She's like, I really just need your help. And here's how it helps our family. And it just took a conversation and repetition to like, this isn't about me. This is about just our family dynamic that helps our family continue to thrive. But I don't think those traditional roles exist anymore. I think it's as pretty they convoluted. used to be, because yeah. that that used to be like almost you know ninety percent. That's what it was. The woman yeah. stayed home with the kids. She cleaned the house. She had dinner on the table. When the husband got home, he worked you know the eight to five hours or whatever the hours were back sure. then. I don't know. Um, anyway, that, that was like the tradition. Well, it's not like that anymore. Most families, um, Mm -hmm. both have, both people in the house work. And, uh, even if they don't, even if the, the wife does stay home, you know, the fact that she has no time off ever. Yeah. yeah, The husband has to step in. It's sacrificial. See a need, fill a need. Yeah. It's sacrificial on both ends. I think of the episode in the office where Jim's like, you know, his wife, Pam's at home with their daughter, Cece. And he's like, and I'm here. And it's just, it's driving me nuts because I just want to be home. So it's sacrificial in both ways. It's just making sure you don't voice unrealistic expectations uh, to try and accomplish the same purpose, you know, like in the sense of, hey, you should be doing this. No, you should be. And it's like, wait, we're together doing this. And here's how that works. So that makes sense. Yeah. And when Nathan talked about having a bunch of kids and having your kids um, do the <laughs> yeah. chores, Man, it takes so much work to train your kids to do that. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier just to do it yourself. Yeah. Well, one of the greatest gifts I have to say as a parent, when when one of our kids does something, 
And we're like, wait, we didn't even ask them. They usually do it wrong. That's well, irritating. there's that, but that's a part and of the you growth. Have to go redo it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks. I for mean, that they question. do, but mm. I oh, just really? Leave it. It's great. So, so back to the question. Yeah. Uh, where this is kind of a, a situation where the wife wants to have that kind of like the 50 50 in the chore split. Sure. Whereas the husband grew up with a mom who kind of had the traditional That's what it sounds like, yeah. role. So how do you go about changing your perspective? And I appreciate that this texture isn't like, how do I convince my wife to do yeah. all the chores? He's like, how do I, that's, that's that. How right do I there. change my perspective that's, in this that's situation? Growth. And that should be a compliment to this question is like, Nathan, the way you just angled that question is like, yes, that's the point is like, that was a gift early on in your childhood from your mom to your family. But it's not like an expectation you should put on your your future spouse or your current spouse just because you benefited from her sacrifice early on in your childhood. You know, it's like bring that to the table and be in a support in that way to your family because you get to be a recipient. It's a compliment. And you change your perspective by yeah. thinking like, how would I feel in that role? And do you as a yeah. husband want those traditional roles? Do you want to be the absent father that's only known as the disciplinary in the yeah. family? No, we don't want those stereotypical roles that are from back in the day. So you just got to get that out of your mind. Yeah. There's so many great parenting angles, even from this, but that's for another shock therapy. So please throw your questions. 816-787-1511. Love that. Nothing gets me more fired up than gender specific roles. <laughs> Fortunately, you married somebody who loves to be a stay at home husband. Not that so. he is. Right, well, you're both stay at home right now. Well, yes. Currently. Yeah. Both working from home. People are like, oh, wow. He definitely does more wow. laundry and um, cleaning yeah. and making of the dinner than I do. Yeah. Which is inspiring. So I have just a really important career right now. But here's the thing. Do I or do I not say every day? So, Rebecca, the lingering question is, what's for dinner? What should we do? What should I make? What? Yes, you do I involve ask you. me and I it's say. It's not like you're eating this. The same it's thing like, every night. I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But I try to accommodate. Rebecca, does this sound good tonight? Would you be able to eat this? And Especially I say, with all now your you liners, know how you I know? felt like for the first 15 <laughs> years when I had to be the one that like made that decision, what we're going to make every day. Like that's the worst part of growing up. Parents, like, can you hear us? Yes. I had no idea like it was going to be that stressful, like to decide what's for dinner and nobody's going to be happy. Like no. you're disappointing somebody every yeah, night. Every night. So frustrating. Nathan, take notes, right? I mean, this is a gift. Listen. You can avoid the conflict from this conversation. No, he can never avoid the conflict. <laughs> that is like a curse on Ooh. human beings forever is that they have to make a decision of what's for dinner every, every single night. Yeah, yeah, see here, for me, it was a blessing and a curse because my mom would just make food and it was either you That's eat it, it right? or you don't eat. <laughs> so I've just grown up with like, I will eat whatever is put in front of me. And so whenever it comes time for like, what do you want? Like, I was never asked that. I don't know how to answer that. This is true. Mean, this makes sense. You're giving context when I ask you, Nathan, you got here early. We have made dinner. What, what do you feel like having? You're like, I don't know. Like it <laughs> makes sense. Cook? Yeah. And you've done that as a compliment. I'm like, no, just tell me. And you're like, no, go for it. Like whatever that you makes put sense. in front of me, I will eat. Even oh, if it's oh, when he says it, it's a compliment. But when I say it, it's a problem. <laughs> I never said that. I'm saying in the context Rewind of this tape, conversation <laughs> that he grew up with that framework. And I'm like, well, cool. He's not going to give me pushback. Wait, hold on. It Whatever. Does sound I'm that not way. even listening anymore. <laughs> it does sound like it now. No. Well, <laughs> great. Well, moving on. Oh, oh we're next. moving on. <laughs> now we're Rebe moving on. Okay. If you can see the look on Rebecca's face, it's pretty gold. It's pretty awesome. 
All right. You. What else we got? Okay. So this listener says, hey, Vent Lab, enjoy the uh, Ghost Pepper. <laughs> it's one of my favorite episodes. That's pretty awesome. Um, check this out. People make mistakes. I guess I just did uh, that scenario. But no, people make mistakes all the time. But how do you help someone who's hurt you? But you care about them. So you keep trying to help them improve about without feeling resentment toward them. How does a person manage that without knowing, excuse me, without throwing that person's mistake back in their face? Man. So Ooh. basically this person's saying, I care about this person who's hurt me deeply, but it's really tempting to constantly say, yeah, but you said this or you did this. Kind of like in a revengeful way. That's kind of how I'm reading it. Uh, yeah. Dealing with revenge or. Well, and that and, and some people. Some people are really hard to help because they keep going back. Like you try to help them. They hurt you because you're allowing yourself to be close to them. And they just have a habit of hurting whomever is closest to them. And so it makes it really hard to continuously try to help somebody whenever they are continuously causing damage to you. And before we get into that, I just want to say like it's sometimes okay and it's sometimes necessary to back off for your own mental good way to say it stability like like you can't always fix people yeah sometimes you have to step back for your own health Mm -hmm. you know and that's the sad truth of it and so you know good thing i let off with the sad part of it but jay (laughs) was assuming that they are helpable how would you answer this question man um well first of all welcome to being human because uh, regardless of your position or status, this is human, emo- you know, human emotion that you're just having to deal with and navigate. Uh, that isn't easy. Um, there's so many examples throughout Scripture that we could say, well, what about that example? Absolutely, those are great examples that give us insight, that give us hope. And one of them that comes to mind is um, the narrative of Joseph. Uh, you know, his brothers sold him, uh, sold him to these, you know, traitors, and he's off. Like they're like, yeah, he's. He's been killed by an animal, and you know, tragedy. Anyway, long story short, Joseph later on in life, still in some way, didn't hold it against them, and he made this like remark, like he was just like, "But God has been with me through it all, even through all these pitfalls and struggles." And I think there's a perspective shift there that if we can get our minds around uh, to the reality of when someone's hurt us deeply, it wasn't okay that they hurt us. Let's make sure we're clear about that. And we also want to say, but it's also okay to respond with frustration, hurt feelings, and even anger. Um, you know, Jesus was angry and overturned the tables in the, in the temple, the money changers. But it was a righteous anger for their benefit. And I think if you still deeply care about this person, even though they've wounded you, the way that you're showing up day in, day out is a strength that you carry that may not be easy to fathom or even comprehend, but it's there in your life. And that's a huge strength. And for whatever reason... As you continue to hold on, I would say, you know, words of encouragement to you is to, to keep pursuing uh, that relationship and being the spotlight of redemptive hope when someone is dealing with an issue or a past hurt and they just, for whatever reason, are taking it out on you. Gosh, just stay strong and watch what can happen from that. <laughs> but I think what's important too, on the flip side of that, Nathan, like you said, it's okay to step back mm-hmm. and to analyze where you're at personally with it for your own health before you can really re-engage just to kind of assess, how am I going to respond in this? Yeah. And that's a health. That's a, such a strength. But a lot of times we get reactionary, and that's detrimental. It becomes like a bomb that goes off. And there's really hard room for, to repair. 
You know, when I I look at this question, there's so many factors that can go into this, so many variables that would change our answer to how you should respond to this. Sure. You know, what if it's like a a husband-wife situation and maybe one of them had an affair on the other one and so, or cheated on the other one. And so that, that's a mistake that affected both of them. You definitely, if you had an affair, you hurt your spouse deeply. How do they move on without constantly throwing back that back in their face because they probably have some major trust issues there. And I think this situation could apply in a lot of situations because that person hurt you. Now you have trust issues. There's a trust issue. How do you work past those trust Mm -hmm. issues? Yeah. No, I think that's a a really good insight. And the example you give may not be like the common, ordinary, everyday conversation you'd have with, you know, a family member or a close friend, but and what you're asking is that the trust, it will take time. And it's okay to recognize, even if it takes you longer to trust that person, the big thing is that you can communicate that. I'm just not ready to pick back up where we were at before this happened. There's That's okay. That's a healthy boundary. And that's helping reestablish a trust just to give some weight to the severity of the hurt. I think another huge factor is, has that other person apologized? Are they truly remorseful for what they did? Because I think that also makes a difference in moving forward. That word remorseful, I think, is convoluted in our culture today because over the course of ministry, I've seen the last five to seven years, it seems like the remorseful piece doesn't show up in a way that people would anticipate. It's almost like it's a letdown. Like, they say they're remorseful, but I was expecting this. Well, did you talk about that? I think that's a big piece of the remorse of being able to be empathetic and also accept their apology. But sometimes we'll be like, I didn't pick up on that they were remorseful. It's just kind of like this sloughed. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. And it's not like, well, what are you sorry about? You know, where you dig a little bit deeper for your own uh, personal health in that way, if that makes sense. A common phrase you use is hurting people hurt people. And so when somebody who is already hurt hurts somebody, now you have two people who are hurting in a situation. And so what they're talking about, how do I keep from throwing this back in that person's face? You're dealing with two people that are hurting. And so this is a longer process in most cases than just, all right, this person hurt you. Now you feel hurt. Okay. How do I keep from throwing this back in this person's face? And we're able to just move on. You have to deal with the root of each individual person's hurt. That's a good point. And a lot of that happens in regular communication. Mm-hmm. And I think counseling is really good when it's somebody when it's two people who really have deep hurt with the situation where we're that we're just talking about, yeah. especially if there's like an affair or something like that. That's something yeah. big. That's not just something like, hey, that person owes me money and they haven't given it back, or that person's been kind of a jerk to me lately. Sure, that's you know, kind those, of the common. Those are yeah. those are a lot more surface where it's not going to take as much yeah. time to work through it. But in these really heavy situations. Mm-hmm. Therapy, I think, is really good because it helps with your communication to work through that deep hurt and get to the root of it that you may not even know is there. Yeah, and I think there's another piece to this is that even if you're incredibly hurt by another offense, someone else's offense, uh, that doesn't define you. Even though it makes you feel less than, it makes you feel like, I don't know what else I have to offer because now I struggle to even trust anyone around me. Uh, That doesn't define you. But like what you said, getting to the root issue of that can be a huge strength 
strength if you're willing and able to come through that and work through that because that's a piece in our world today that people aren't willing to go the distance on, that we may say, well, years ago they did. Well, there's a lot more competing for our attention. I think if we can let ourselves get around that more and deal with those deeper issues, we'll give a strength to those who aren't quite ready, if that makes sense. It's like it's transitional, it's transformational, and not a lot of people are seeing it. Um, but that's something that we can carry as a strength, not see it as a weakness. So, you know, for someone who's walking in that hurt, be patient with yourself, be patient in the process, but dig deep. Uh, you have a strength, you have the ability because that hurt doesn't define you, uh, but it's certainly something that can strengthen you for it's what's ahead and what's uh, for that relationship. And and don't stop communicating it and, yeah. and discussing things when those arise. You know, the best example I can think of is one that's commonly used, and that's the weed. Anybody who has ever yeah. worked with weeds knows that if you just pull a weed up without destroying the root, that weed is going to just pop right back up the next yeah. day. And so you've got to completely pull the root of it out and deal with it instead of just brushing the surface of it off. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, forgiveness is a pretty big aspect of that as well. As far as the the resentment you feel towards the person mm -hmm. and the ability to not throw the way they hurt you back in their face whenever it comes uh, time or you get an opportunity to potentially help them through a situation. Yeah. I think making sure that you've forgiven them and dealing with that beforehand would be a really helpful yeah. thing to to do and that that's to an extent that's a you problem like you can forgive somebody without them being in front of you mm -hmm. you know like and it's a process actually uh, right now uh transformation church michael todd is doing a whole yeah. uh a few series uh, yeah, Forgiveness <laughs> University series. And I'm so, so glad you clarified that. Yeah, if you're a fan of <laughs> of hearing pastors repeatedly say F you, then it's a great series Man. to listen to. Wow. Um, but really, it is really helpful for people who struggle with forgiveness or yeah. even understanding, comprehending what forgiveness is. Yeah. It, it's, it's incredibly helpful. He was like three or four messages in before he even talked about how to forgive. He was just talking about what forgiveness is. Yeah. And so... Fully understanding forgiveness helps you to forgive, and in this situation, uh, I would I would very much recommend making sure that you have forgiven them for the thing that you're avoiding throwing in their face. Yeah. Um, something from my personal life that has helped me in the past to forgive people is anytime that person comes up in your mind, your first inclination is to like think about the ways they hurt you. And to think negatively on that yeah. person and all the things that you wish you would have said to them or you wish you could say to them should you come face to face with them again. But just get in a habit of praying for that person. Not even not even like, okay, God, please help me to forgive this person. Amen. But like <laughs> Yeah. Like God, I like I really hope that whatever they're going through, yeah. that that they're doing all right. Like yeah. pray for them as a person rather than just like Every time you think about them, you think about how you need to forgive them or how you're trying to help them or how they hurt you. Just pray for their well-being. And as you start to view them and care for them because you've made a habit of thinking about them in a positive light, then it really helps you to begin to forgive them and get yeah. that ball rolling. Yeah. Um, here's my question, though, because you talked about... Uh, in a situation 
where the person who caused the hurt is willing to work with the person uh, that was hurt mm-hmm. and is trying to help them. What if that person who caused the hurt isn't totally remorseful? Like, like what if they don't yeah. see it as a problem? Yeah. You know, that's kind of what I was getting at in our culture today. It seems like that doesn't, it's not existing. Like maybe it once had five to seven years ago. Yeah. Um, I think what you said earlier was the process. There's a process with everyone. Not everyone's going to feel the weight or the severity of the way like you may feel. Mm-hmm. And we have expectations that would say, well, you should feel the way I should. Right. But that's not necessarily accurate. So, if you can get to a point of, you know, being patient with yourself as well as extending forgiveness, I think that the weight of the way you feel about it and the remorse will set that example of what they potentially could then say, because you have shown me, now I get it. Because mm-hmm. it may be an upbringing where that was never modeled, you know? Um, and I think there's a big piece to that in the puzzle that our expectations sometimes um, aren't communicated clearly nor felt clearly because we have a framework that we're funneling out of. Um, And that's not easy to take on. That's a challenge. I think when it's a husband or wife situation, you're kind of stuck in that situation as far as there's no uh, taking some time away and, Mm -hmm. and taking a break from that person. You're forced into working it out. Like you work it out or something else is going to happen. And I'll let you elaborate more oh. on that but like no, go for in it a, in a, a, a husband and wife situation <laughs> well i don't want to say you're just stuck because there's other situations in that like if one of you is being abused it's okay yeah. to leave that situation but if there's never going to be any resolution like if there was an affair and the other person oh. isn't apologetic then making the decision to get a divorce after trying mm-hmm. every other possible avenue is an acceptable solution I think in those scenarios, those are extremely, extremely delicate. There's a lot of factors and angles to look at. And I know I say that a lot, but it really is because it's easy for us on the outside to say, well, here's what you should do. And what we're saying is I would do this, but then that person's not necessarily in their shoes. They're not in the moment. Um, And I think there's um, a danger that we as human beings get ourselves into and not even realize it. And then we become more of a hurt than a help. And now when Rebecca talked about, you know, hurting people hurt people, um, you've now taken on their hurt, but you've projected at them from the hurt that you feel without really considering the magnitude of relationship that exists between the hurt parties, as well as the extended family members, and as well as the close, you know, knit friends. Um, This is the ability to be an active listener that really comes into play um, because we all have a perspective and a perception on situations that we're not intimately involved with. And that's a, that can be a really uh, a dangerous um, zone. I'm going to try to briefly share a real-life example here of one-sided forgiveness. Yep. Uh, my father, very abusive when I grew up. I haven't seen him since I was like 12 or 13 years old when he dropped me off on a sidewalk and told me he didn't love me and said I can't love him either because I, I chose to live with my mom. Um, he did a lot of bad things to me. I have a lot of really bad memories of my experience with him. But as I grew up and I became a Christian and learned about forgiveness, that forgiveness was necessary, I had to first come to terms with the hurt that he caused me. And there was, there was times where I really thought things were so bad, I thought, I have to be making this up. Like, there's no way 
it was that bad. And so I wrote down everything that I felt that he had done to me. And I actually wrote him a letter, got his address and sent him the letter and said, these are, these are the hurts. These are the offenses you have against me. Like I had to fully recognize Mm -hmm. that these are the hurts that I'm feeling from him. And then I said that I forgave him. Like I let go of all of that. And as I grow and become an adult, I also know that life is way messier than I saw it as a kid. And I know that there's mental illness. I know that there's addictions, which he had both of. And so I forgive him because he didn't have all the, well, I don't forgive him because he didn't have the resources available to get help. I forgive him because I'm called to forgive him. But I also understand that him hurting me wasn't necessarily because he hated me. It was because of what he was going through in his Mm -hmm. life and what he was reflecting from what he was feeling. He was abused as a child. He had mental illnesses. He had Mm -hmm. addictions. Those were his responsibility to get fixed. I didn't deserve to have happened to me what happened to me, but it did. It also helps me in forgiving him and understanding that life is messy and people make mistakes. I could see him today and not have a problem with him. Because I, I know that I know that there's other factors yeah. that go into what happened. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, every time you share your testimony about your family in that way and the upbringing, it's so real. And more than anything, I think I would even say your example right there just carries so much weight about the power of forgiveness. Like every time it just ministers to me and I've known your story ever since we've met. And it's just like, every time I hear, I'm like, that is so the power of God great in you to be able to walk in that confidence and to give that hope to someone who doesn't quite channel that yet, but they can have that story from you that would bring light to their situation. But it's honestly a time and process because I didn't always feel this way. And it's something that God has given me, that peace that God has given me over time to not be affected by the abuse that I received from him, to be able to say I I could sit next to him someplace and not feel hurt anymore by what happened or to use it to blame things in my life today on what my father did to me. It's, it's It's what God gives me the ability to forgive him and to let go of what happened. That's powerful. And he never responded to my letter. So, <laughs> but that was more for me. And like mm-hmm. Nathan was talking about, you have to, that's a one side, that's a you thing. You have to decide to do that. And mm-hmm. I decided to do that because I didn't want the unforgiveness oh. hurting me anymore. I remember that moment. We were still pretty young married when you made that decision to move forward with that. And I remember just watching and thinking, you know, could I do that? Everything that you've shared and had gone through an experience, I thought, could I do that? I don't know if I could, but watching you send that and the release that caused emotionally, uh, spiritually, you know, in the way that it affected you to say, I did that. I just overcame one of those fears. That humbled me. Like, that was a beautiful picture of forgiveness that I needed to hear, that I needed to see modeled. And even to this day, I'm still affected by it because I saw how you modeled it. It comes down to having to make the decision. Do I want to live in freedom or do I want to live in bondage? And I wanted to live in freedom. I didn't want that 
I didn't want that affecting every decision I made anymore. So letting go. Yeah. I I can't imagine that not everyone who listens to this podcast or even just shock therapy ministry in general doesn't carry some weight, form, shape, or fashion of that kind of hurt to a degree, to an extended degree, whatever. But my prayer, our prayer as you know, the three of us standing, I know that's our prayer to let you know that there's hope, there's healing, and there's freedom um, and what Christ comes to give us. And it's the hope to set us free. So just wherever you're at today, if that's kind of resonating with you and your thoughts, your heart, reach out, let us know. Again, totally anonymous, but we would just love to know because uh, I'm telling you, that's just, it continues to impact me every time you share. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to transition to a not as fun topic. Nope. But uh, something's going down in America right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that was the element of surprise. Wait, what? Um, it's like which topic are we going to talk about? Yeah. No kidding. So I'm going to set a timer. You guys think five minutes or ten minutes? Five minutes. Five I minutes. like five minutes. Seven. Right. Seven. Seven minutes. Is that because that's a holy number? No, I think I he was he was trying to land in between fine. five and ten. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. We'll do we'll do seven minutes. All right. We are going to talk about the election more so okay. about how Christians should respond at this moment. It or is how any human should respond. It is eight forty. Yeah, good point. It's eight forty p.m. November fifth. It's a Thursday. Yeah. Nobody has won the election as of nope. right now. We're waiting on waiting. freaking Nevada. All right. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, Nathan, you go. Yeah. Uh, right now, it looks like Joe Biden is at 264 electoral votes and Donald Trump is at 214. Um, and so that starting the time right now. All right. So, Jay West, no matter who wins the election, how should we respond? When you say we, are you talking collectively as a nation? Are you talking how should as humans followers respond? of Jesus in particular? Both. Um, as human beings, just in general, the playing field is at level ground. Doesn't matter what denomination, what way of life. You're just saying in general, as human beings, citizens. That's what you're saying, as right. citizens of the nation. Citizens. Uh, if you have to get specific, yeah. Christians, but okay. for the most part, just specific. I'm going to hold to this position. That's very. Some would say that's pretty vague. Um, but when it comes to the office of president, regardless who is voted in, nominee, whatever the outcome. As a United States of America citizen, you honor whoever holds the seat to the office of president. That's just a given. That's why we live in such a great nation that we do because we have a lot of liberty and freedoms that a lot of people don't have. And when you put it in that context, we have a, not only a right as citizens, but we have a responsibility as citizens. And I think there's a lot of weight to that that we need to exemplify to one another and to other nations. Um not just because I'm a pastor, but as a follower of Christ, I see biblically God's love not just for one nation, but God's love for the nations. And I think there's a great weight that we carry. Whatever umbrella that your citizenship lies as a human being, collectively in community, um, that you honor the seat in that way because you have a perspective of honor and recognition of the freedom you've been given, not in a selfish way, but in a selfless way. Cool. That was uh, two minutes. All right. Back to our regular. Uh, no, I, I agree. And as far as like a Christian response, dude, I, uh, I'm already seeing people on Facebook leaving nasty comments about 
people who voted for the other party and stuff. And like, it, like, ugh, especially from Christians, it bothers me. Sure. Cause as uh, I think we have a right and a duty to vote, but at the same time, we also believe as Christians that whomever is on the president and the vice president and even people in Congress sure. and the Supreme court and all that, God put those people there. Like nothing happens on accident. Like he, Tells kings when to rise and when to fall or something Dude, like that. I don't know. Nailed I don't know. it. Yeah, I'm sure I did. One of the <laughs> translations of the Bible uh, <laughs> says it like that. Uh, but anyway, it, it boggles my mind whenever I see Christians like losing their mind about somebody they didn't vote for or somebody they did vote for and then people not liking that person uh, being elected. Like, ah, gosh, dude, just, just be nice. Dude. Show the love of God. And like... Even if the person that I voted for does not win the election, mm-hmm. I'm going to respect the person, like you said. I'm also going to respect those that voted for that person. Yeah. Like, voted opposite of Sure. Me or whatever. Like, like, just just know that the person on the presidency, president, I keep wanting to say throne, but it's not. What is the presidency <laughs> called? The Oval Office. Yes. Sure. The person in the Oval Office is there for a reason. God put him there, even if you don't like him. So yeah. stop complaining. Yeah. Stop leaving nasty comments on Facebook. In fact, Nathan, the verse that you're highlighting that you shared scripturally was Daniel chapter two, verse twenty one, and Romans thirteen one. I just wanted to make sure you Dang, that was quick. You nailed it. Thank you. All right. My encouragement with all of this is to bring balance in your conversations that you're having with coworkers, friends, yes. and family members. Thank you. Because we're seriously all so freaking tired of hearing <laughs> of the election and do we wear a mask and do we not wear a mask and all of that stuff. There are other things going on. And if yeah. you continue dominating the conversations with all of this political stuff, you're going to miss out on what is going on in life right now. And if you notice that people are like backing away from you and not inviting you over for dinner or visiting you or calling you or things like that, it's probably because you're overwhelming them with political conversation. So it is okay to have an opinion. Yeah. It is okay to discuss these things. Yes. But if you could bring balance and a small percentage Mm -hmm. Spent on those things and not dominating every conversation with that stuff. Focus on encouraging the people that you love and care about and talking about things that are exciting and positive because the more negative you talk, the more negative you're going to feel and the more negative that person you're talking to is going to feel. So we have a choice. We could either give life or take life. Mm. There's no in between. You're giving or you're taking. Yeah. Make a choice on what you're going to do. Love it. You know, Jesus even addressed the Pharisees in that way. He's like, you're speaking death all day long. He's like, you're just, you're raining down just fire and you're missing the life that I've come to give. And that's a life more abundant. And you say, well, that's kind of sugarcoating it, right? Well, no, because it's getting us back on the right perspective and all of our approaches to this in general. This is just one of many subjects. And it's like, how your reputation with is it? It means a lot. You know, the goal here, like Rebecca just said, if people are shying away from you because you've been heavily influenced in political talk, you know, that's okay to step back and just check yourself in there. Like, okay, I should probably throttle back because I'm missing out on life. Does that make sense? I think it does because we've seen a lot of it happen and it's detrimental. It hurts and it affects others. Mm-hmm. I, uh, gosh, again, I, I hate seeing Christians have this conversation, like the, the political, anti-political like sure. conversation, just because it causes division. 
I've made a habit to avoid political conversation at all costs, even with people that I am on the same political compass with. We are in agreement with everything. Yeah. And I don't have that conversation because it is possible to still cause some unneeded division. Like that conversation can be avoided altogether. And that division that shouldn't exist, but people, they choose rocks to stand on or whatever mountains to uh, anyway, people are stubborn about where they stand. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just got, it's, it's just unnecessary. Yeah. Unnecessary know? and it's a distraction. Yeah. So ask yourself what you're hoping to accomplish with the conversation you're about to have with somebody. If you feel it necessary to have a political conversation. Yeah. Yep. It's uh it's not always necessary and uh, don't cause division, especially yeah. if you're a Christian, yeah. cut it out. And we have 13 seconds. Can we just call it now? No, because I really want this timer to, I, I want people to hear the timer so that they know that I legitimately set a seven minute timer. We Nathan, get to hear who did you three, vote two, for? One. Uh, well, actually, Rebecca, uh, let me, let me tell you. Uh, so I voted for, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that they didn't win, but, um, so that's, that's who I, that's who I voted with for, um. Really still can't believe Kanye didn't win. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I shouldn't say didn't win because it's not over. Till yeah, it's we're over, still waiting right? for Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. That's that. If you guys fast forwarded seven minutes, welcome back Woo. to the show. Love it. Um, I do not blame you one bit. Even Elvis was getting tired. Yeah, he was like, guys, stop. My Come mom said on. five minutes. Yeah. So next question, Jay West. So can a guy just be friends with the girl and not constantly view her as a potential partner. What yes. a great question. Yes, you can. Next Say question. Say yes and no question. Cool. All right. Yeah. Answered it. Nathan, digress. Huh? Digress. Digress. Yeah, tell us your uh, your answer. I digress. Um. Well, actually, uh, behind the scenes, this was my question. Not because it's something I struggle with, but oh. it's because something I... Uh, uh, observed. Observed. Thank you. I was looking for the word. It's a good word. I observed this happening, and being a young man myself, I've been in the situation where you're friends with somebody of the mm. opposite gender, yeah, and they're attractive, and you're close friends, <coughs> and you're like, is this more? Can this be more? Should this be more? I've also been in the situation where you're like at the supermarket, <coughs> and the cashier is really nice to you, and you're like, holy cow, like she's into me. Like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> should I have gotten her number? Like, did I just blow that? Did I forget something? Uh, I think I forgot to go buy something. I got to go back, you know? Um, and that's, for one thing, it's annoying as, and I don't, Rebecca, do girls do that too? Where they're like, holy cow, that guy was really nice. Yeah, I totally. Think, I think Read into be, everything. It's so, it's, it's annoying sometimes because it's really hard to beat into your head that that's not the case. Um, I personally have gotten better at this. Uh, again, this question wasn't f- from me about me, <laughs> I, uh, you know, but, uh, it's an observation, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I have personally gotten better at just platonically. I think that's the word being um, friends. Platonically. Yes. Platonically. Okay. Um, mainly because I have a lot of friends that are girls. And it would be really stressful for me mm-hmm. if I was constantly trying to figure out like, okay, why are all these girls being nice to me? I think, I think they want to date me. All of them, you know, that would be rough. Um, so 
I don't really know how I got over that other than just beating it into my head of like, no, you goon. They're being nice. <laughs> She's a cashier. That's literally her job to be nice to you. I think you got over it because you had friends that were girls in long-term situations where you learned how to be just friends with them without constantly having that thought in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it just took time for you to realize hey, this is how you're friends with a girl without hoping that a relationship will develop yeah. eventually. Right, and it's it's so much more stress-free. If there's any guys listening right now, any young men, or older men, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, if there's any guys listening right now that have this issue where like every time a girl is nice to you, you're like wondering, like, bro, it is so freeing to be friends with somebody yep. of the opposite gender. I, I always wondered that, especially like as a teenager, I was like, how, how do guys yeah. be friends with girls? Like, that's not possible. They're all just like, it's, it's this untalked about cue mm-hmm. and every guy that's a friend with this girl is in a waiting line. Yeah. And every time somebody like strikes out, then the next guy's like, all right, here's my chance. I yeah. got, you know, but in reality, hey Elvis, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, ruining my life. <laughs> Sorry, I tried I to stop him guts. and he just came plowing in. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to answer it's this free. question. It's it's freeing. It's having expectations that are healthy and boundaries. That expectations are healthy. You know, together they complement one another. It's not this competition in your head of does this person value me because I think they're interested. It's just being friends. Yeah. It's okay to be on the lookout for somebody that's available if you're available, but there's a whole nother side to this Mm -hmm. because anytime somebody sees somebody of, or like two people of the opposite sex talking to each other, they assume they're in a relationship. And so you get pressure from that side. Like I work in a building or worked now I work at home, (laughs) but I worked in a building that is primarily men, which means 90% 90% of my friends in, in the building I worked in are men. And anytime a guy came to my desk, coworkers would be like, oh, what you got going on with that person? And I was like, what? wait, what? Yeah, so what should annoying. every guy avoid my desk? Because there's somebody's going to assume something's going on. So yeah, take it from that other side too. Yeah. Don't always assume something's going on. Yeah. Some people can control themselves and create barriers or not barriers. That's not, not the right word. What, what am I looking boundaries? for? Boundaries. That's yeah, boundaries the word I'm expectations. looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cre- can create <laughs> boundaries where it doesn't yeah. cross the line. Like you can have a platonic relationship with somebody of the opposite sex. Yeah. Something that I think also helped me was I realized at some point that my relationship, like a romantic relationship with somebody will be way better if I was friends with them first. And so... Like, even if it's somebody who I wouldn't mind dating, I still want to get that friend level out of the way and and have a platonic relationship so that whenever should a relationship begin, then we're not only like in a relationship, but we're also in a friendship. Yeah. And so, because I feel like it's really hard to do it the other way around where you like go head yeah. first. How, into how a, do you just like jump into a relationship yeah. unless it's like internet dating or you got set up to go on a date? Yeah. How do you, well, how are you not just friends first? I mean, if you see somebody across the room and you walk over and say, Hey, you want to go on a date? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So For, how are you just going to be friends first then? If Well, it's, it's see, I, 
I don't know. I've only ever dated one person. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, I've known you for three months. Let's date. And then whenever it came time to like just be friends, it was like, oh, shoot, I don't know how to be your friend. And so then, well, that and there was some a very real toxic stuff going you know, on. That was really just right. best we don't, we don't to have just walk to... in opposite directions. Right. And, and that was uh, better for Though I dated us. somebody that I stayed friends with that I'm still friends with today. And Jay West? <laughs> Pre-Jay West. This is like 20 something years and ago. Jay West I... <laughs> Are not just friends. We're oh my gosh. Newsflash, we're married. Oh <laughs> no, I dated somebody in high school that, I mean, I guess we don't talk like all the time, but we talk from time to time. Yeah. That's a platonic how do, friendship. How does it make you feel, Jerry West? I'm totally fine because we have communication about it, which has healthy expectations and boundaries. I also allow <sighs> Jay West to look at my phone anytime he wants because yep. the majority of my friends are guys. Yep. And so it's like completely my phone is open to him to look at anytime he wants to, except for he can't look at my best friend best text messages because she's my accountability partner. Well, yeah, I mean, and so he can't boundaries. He can't read expectations. He can't read text messages from Beth. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what you call an open relationship. (laughs) Wait, hold on. Wait, no, that carries different weight, Nathan. You got to be careful of that. Uh. (laughs) E. Um, but on on the same side, right, his yeah. his phone is open to me yeah. as well as, as except for in ministry. There's things that yeah, there's confidentiality that, with certain circumstances. But yeah, yeah. But that's again healthy expectations, healthy boundaries, and communication. But there's from also the trust there where I'm not yeah. like I feel like I have to look at his phone yeah. all the time. Yeah. All right. So Jay I think West. I think what you just opened up, Nathan, is very liberating for a lot of guys. Like you said, regardless of age, just to get a framework and understand because we are constantly thrown images and movies and content and music that make us feel like it's a competition as guys, especially if you're single and you're thinking, is that girl looking at me in that way? Or And it's not anything that has a healthy start. That's the thing is like, it gets convoluted. It's, it's messy because you didn't have a healthy start from the get-go because of what you're feeding yourself and you end up frustrated because you have a poor framework. And that's where you've just created a conversation, Nathan, for all the listeners who are in that field um, to consider their their perspective to change to just develop these lasting healthy boundaries and relation you know expectations and relationships to have that friendship component because that's something that's missing in our culture mm-hmm. boundaries I think is the key word boundaries and this. watch what you're listening to I we have our okay I, I talk with Grace I talk with Zacchaeus about this like what you're listening to yes there we go thank you <laughs> our children about just what their mind is processing and filtering or not filtering. Mm-hmm. And it can really play into some of those decisions or lack of decisions. Yeah. Bro, I do notice that. Like even, and I don't watch like rom-coms really like ever hardly, but even if like watching like a TV show or something where there's like a couple or like a yeah. a, a blooming relationship. Blooming. And then I, I find myself being more inclined to like that mindset of like, like uh, uh, more romantically inclined. I got, I don't know what the term yeah. is, but where, like where you crave a relationship more. Yeah, I'm ba- well, I'm really lonely. And, and so um, <laughs> oh, I'm again, this is really real. It's probably do shock therapy. Yeah. There it is. No, 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 no. Very Guys, this real. question isn't even about me, but no, I feel I know. like everybody, yeah. no, everybody listening right now thinks yeah. that it's actually about me. Guys, I'm fine. I, right? I teased you about it when you texted me. I was like asking for a friend. Yeah, no, uh, it was legitimately something that I observed. And I was like, that yep. sucks for that guy because I've been there yeah. and I've overcome that. Yes. 
That's but the big I know piece. what he's missing out on. There it is. What you're missing out on and because it's you're in a, it's a head game. Yeah. There's a head game piece to that, and it is exhausting. And man, take Nathan's advice if that's where you're at, and you, it, man, you'll be free. Yeah, it's free. So, so if if if, if let's say let's say you're at church, JOS, mm-hmm. it's a Wednesday night, okay, and a teenage a teenager doesn't matter what their gender, I guess. A teenager comes up to you and they've got like five minutes before their parents call into the car and they mm-hmm. ask you that question of how do I keep, uh, how do I stop l- observing the other gender as a potential partner and instead just be friends with talking friends. middle school or high school, high school. Um, that's going to be a lengthier conversation, but that's something five minutes. That's I know all you got the yeah, parents five are waiting in the parking lot. <laughs> well, from Rebecca and I student ministry days, we can both share about this, but it's just basically listening and saying, well, one, the feelings that you're feeling, uh, in this way are not from left field. So just know that you're okay. Um, secondly, from those feelings is what are you doing about them? You know, where do you find yourself lingering in your thoughts? Is it more competitive? Are you putting yourself up against someone else? You putting yourself down, you know. What are some things you're doing that's not helping you live in a freeing relationship with this potential friend, and not just someone that you're feeling like in competition with? If that makes sense. Rebecca, anything you want to add on yeah. to that? Well, I'm kind of confused because it, I I think it is okay to like look at every single person of the opposite sex and think. Oh, I wonder if they could be a potential mate. Compatibility. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And but I think at the point that it reaches an unhealthy level of that person hasn't mm-hmm. reciprocated yeah. any feelings or interest, then you just need to step back. Though Jim stayed consistent with Pam <laughs> and they ended up getting together sure. eventually. Yeah. Grown so, adults. Even when so, she was engaged, that guys. So. <laughs> yeah, that may not be the best example, but it is a example. Hey, she wasn't married. Um, <laughs> nobody's off limits. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, yeah, what you just said there in student ministry culture, for sure, with our, you know, our students, middle school, high school, just that you're affirming them for their emotions in the sense of, you know, hey, these are good things that God's put within you. Just don't let them get out of, out of, you know, out of whack. Out of whack. Out of whack. And you just keep them in check. I think the fact that if a student's coming to that adult in ministry, there's a trust there of just saying, I really want to make sure my expectations and boundaries are solid. That's Mm -hmm. something to be said about them. I wish as a teenager, I focused more on friendships. Understand. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on that, Nathan, because in high school, I was all about the relationship, which you just clarified it for me. Like, that's the problem right there yeah. is that all I wanted was to be in a relationship yeah. and I should have just had friendships and grown in who I was and confidence in who I was first yep. and let a, a relationship happen naturally instead of mm-hmm. forcing relationships that I didn't need. I had no business being in at yeah. the time. Yep. A friend of mine in ministry, our former ministry, said this to students when he was doing student ministry. He's like, this is what I tell students. So they get off that high horse of, I just want to be in a relationship. He's like, God's will for you right now, right now is to be the best student you can be and be the best friend you can be to your friends. Like, oh, dude, that's so liberating to hear that. Great yeah. word. Great word. It's a great word. And if romance is going to blossom, there's nothing blossom. you can do to stop it from nope. blossoming. Yep. Well, there's some things you could do. Okay. If we're being realistic. But if you it, want but, it I mean, to happen. Right. Yeah. Then no. If it'll happen, it'll happen. If you're if you're solid friends, 
and you're both single, yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. Accept the progress in the process. There you oh. go. Did you just think that up on your own? I, don't know, I think Nathan said it actually. I, I just put it together. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you say that again? What? Say, say it. Say, well, did was... you already forget what you said? I did. <laughs> hey, I got red hair. That happens a lot. I don't know why, but there's something about the carotene that's con carotene. What's oh it? my gosh. Accept the progress in the process. I can't. Accept. I can't. Wait. Accept. The, uh, how do you say? None of us remember. I can't what he remember said. it. We are, we're all like, "That's amazing." Oh. Now we're like, "What did he say?" Uh, Trust the progress in the process. No, that wasn't it. Anyway, go back like two <laughs> minutes. He said it somewhere in there. Except the pro. Though I I almost had it. It's like Gosh. jumping in the pool. It I was is right there. Except uh -uh. the progress in the process. There it is. I think. I think. And it kind of makes you go, ooh. I'm going to go back and listen just because I'm like, wait, what did I just say? Write that one down. Put that one on a wall. <laughs> You're going to need to write it down because we forgot it pretty we quickly. We forgot it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was your sermon. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to another Thank episode you. of Shock Therapy. We'll see you at JOS in one month from today. Okay. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Very special guest uh -oh. on Friday night's live stream. Yeah. You guys are going to love our guests. So tune in 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock on Friday. We love you guys. My name's Nathan. I'm Rebecca. We're out. <laughs> oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.